Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When the Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan of the porn world meet up, all bets are off. Can these two men take over the entire porn industry, or are they destined for spectacular failure? And then, we travel to a group meeting, where the attendees have shown up to learn some new life lessons. Instead, they're about to learn that nothing is as it seems, today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a good day. Hope you guys are having a great day, too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun out there in the snow or in the desert, wherever you're at. I hope it's fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our Thanksgiving live stream supporters. Coming inside, give it up for An Idea Guy. Everyone give a big round of applause for An Idea Guy. Shaking that snow and that dirt off of his coat. Idea Guy, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Longtime listener and supporter of the show, Fabio, recently sent me a photograph. He was investigating a story that I'd recently done in his home country of Italy, and he posted a flyers in the town while he was there, and he sent me this amazing photograph. So that is exactly what I'm talking about. Travel to Italy and cover it in flyers. And idea guy, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're headed all the way down to Los Angeles. And while we're headed down there, let's take a look at this artwork we're using for today. This is from Dream Pillet on Twitter. Thank you so much for sending this over. You'll see it's one of those memes, and it shows how, if you can't read it, basically the meme is how I talk about some of the most disturbing topics possible, but yet I try not to swear on a show. I never use cuss words to keep it family-friendly. Very, very funny meme. Thanks for sending it over, Dream Pillet. And the reason why I wanted to have it, I just love that image, and we're going to be talking about the pornography industry. So even though, even though I'm not going to be cussing, I will be talking a lot about sex acts and probably making some sexy noises in the background as well. So that's just a way to say, if you're listening to this at work, time to put on the headphones. The reason why we're in Los Angeles is we're going to look at the story of a man named Steve Driver. Now, I talked about this story briefly a couple weeks ago because I saw a movie that was based on his life called Mope. And the movie is so excellent. The movie is so good. I said, guys, I'm going to cover this soon, but I want you guys to all watch this movie because there's a lot of twists and turns. And some of the stuff you're not even going to believe is real until I talk about it on this episode. Um, and I'm going to say that one last time. If you watch the movie and you have no idea what's going to happen, it's a spectacular ride. If you watch the movie after this episode, I think you'll still enjoy it. But um, it's a really, really good movie. Dead Rabbit recommends Mope. So, and I got a lot of my information from that movie. I had to sort through what was real and what was kind of combined. And he took certain characters and turned them into one character and things like that. But uh, hats off to writer-director Lucas Haney. Lucas Haney, who made Mope, fantastic film. And then also I got a ton of information from an L.A. Weekly article written by Michael Albo. 
ton of my information came from that article as well. So shout out to both of you guys. The reason why we're in Los Angeles is we're about to meet Steve Driver. Steve Driver, professional porn actor. He's getting off the bus. He takes off his sunglasses. He looks around this new land, L.A., and he goes, I'm going to take this place by storm. I'm Steve Driver. I was destined to be the biggest porn star in history. He starts walking down the street, and he's hearing like this song in his head. Oh, yeah, uh, sexy Steve Driver doing all the stuff, banging all the women, having sex, but not cussing, never, never in this episode. And he's walking down the street, and he's hearing his own theme song in his head. And we're just kind of watching Steve Driver walking down the street. And I look at you guys, and I go, yeah, this guy is really Stephen Clancy Hill is his real name. Steve Driver is his stage name. And the reason why he's in Los Angeles is, yes, he does want to be a porn star. That is his number one goal. But interestingly enough, that's not what he started. I wasn't a little kid where they're like, what do you want to be? I want to be an astronaut. I want to be the next Peter North. No. What happened was he was, it's such, even the origin story for Stephen Clancy Hill or Steve Driver, as I'll call him for the rest of the episode, is so bizarre. Back in 1998, he was attending the University of Maryland. He was a 21-year-old guy back in 1998. He's attending the University of Maryland, and he doesn't take a test. He's not able to take a test for whatever reason. So he corners a teacher's assistant and says, hey, you got to give me an A on the test. And the guy's like, you didn't even take the test. What do you mean to give you an A on the test? Get out of here, dude. And apparently, allegedly, actually, I think he was found guilty for this, Steve Driver threatened to shoot the instructional assistant. So he was arrested for that. But, you know, it was like five years probation, and then that was kind of changed. And eventually it was all kind of argued down to just house arrest, 18 months of house arrest. So Steve Driver's sitting at home, and he's under house arrest for 18 months. So what are you going to do? He consumed pornography. In that 18 months, he became a porno addict. And he would watch pornography the way other people would watch football games. He would analyze it. He'd look at it and go, oh, I totally fumbled there. Oh, no, it just got in her eye. He was supposed to get all over her face. And all this, he's taking notes. He has like a little chalkboard that he has like X's and O's drawn on. The X's mean kisses. And he's totally into pornography. And he's doing this for 18 months. And he ends up like filing for credit cards and being like, buying a bunch of porn. And then he had no intention of paying off the credit card. He racked up. $20,000 in porn debt, porn-related debt in 18 months. So anyways, he basically is unemployable at this point. He has a police record. All these creditors are coming after him. So he fumbled around from job to job, but he's like, I got to be, why am I at this mortgage lending office? I need to experience the world of porn. As he's watching porn in the mortgage office, people are like, "Uh, are you doing our paperwork? Because it looks like you're masturbating under the desk. And he's like, I'm doing both, actually. A man be dexterous. So he goes, in 2006, he ends up in L.A. He's intent on becoming a porn star. But what he becomes is a mope. So a mope is the lowest level porn performer. I had never heard of this term before, but apparently it's a huge insult in the porn industry. A mope is the lowest level of a porn performer they and it's funny i was reading this article they were talking about the very first time that mopes were really essential to the pornography business because before you would get the biggest hunkiest stud or the dude with the longest schlong and you'd have him have sex with the hottest girl you could find available and that's your porn movie and it had scripts and plots and things like that they they used to have these huge plots and (laughs) everyone just fast forwarded through anyways 
But in the like early 1990s, when people are looking for the next big thing in porn, some guy goes, I got it. People have these plots and they have these devices and this thematic experience. How about if <laughs> how about if 200 dudes bang a woman in one day? And so you don't there's not 200 porn performers that are available on the same day in Southern California and well, at least back then there wasn't. And are you going to get Ron Jeremy and Peter North and all these other big stars, known stars to come out and be part of this circus act? No. These are professionals. This would be like if you got Brad Pitt and George Clooney to do community theater together, which sounds fabulous, actually. The porn industry had become its own culture. And you had people just like there were people who are like Marvel nerds, people who are Star Wars nerds. You have porn nerds that have alliances to different companies. Like, it's bizarre. So they were able to go out into the general public and say, hey, do you want to bang a chick? And be in this porn. And you had just horny dudes show up. And then you just had people who really loved porn. And wanted to be part of the industry. And this gangbang. It was like 250 guys. Had sex with this chick. And that was the beginning of the mope culture. You could not get a star to do this stuff. You couldn't get a star to smell armpits. You couldn't get a star to suck on toes. You couldn't get a star to do all sorts of crazy stuff. Get kicked in the balls. But there was a market for this porn. So they started just hiring mopes, people who would do the lowest thing possible. Now, you may have a movie or something like that where there is a porn star and it's part of it. He's licking her feet. I don't know. I'm sure that exists. I'm sure that's not lost media. But if it was just a video house where that's all they did was foot fetish videos, you're not getting a name brand star for that. One, you don't have to pay him because the guy's not important. It's the feet. And two, just hire a mope. But mopes hate being mopes. They all want to be the stars. That's why you're in the industry. Now, on the set of a gangbang, Steve Driver is sitting there and he's like, they jerk off while they're waiting to have sex with this lady. And so there's like 10, 15 dudes in this room. And so he's in the industry. He's not just like looking in through a stained window like Tiny Tim seeing a Christmas ham. He's actually like in the industry, but he's a mope. And he thinks, oh, at any moment I'm going to be discovered. And during this gangbang, he discovers the meaning of true friendship when he meets Herbert Hin Wong, a.k.a. Tom Dong. That was his stage name, Tom Dong. And they realize that they both, other than just banging this chick together, they, they, have a, they come to a epiphany. They both love porn more than just even the average actor. Like, they're really into the industry itself. So they start hanging out as buddies. Now you have Tom Dong and Steve Driver trying to make their way through the industry. The problem is, is that pornography is very, very racist. And Steve Driver was biracial, and Tom Dong is Asian. And so no one wants this. So, and let me kind of explain a little bit more about who Steve Driver is, because he is a biracial man. He's a big, buff, dark-skinned dude. And so people keep wanting him to be these gangsters, these thugs in these porn movies. He's a nerd. This guy, he, this predates the term incel, but he's 100% an incel. All he wanted in life was fame and recognition. And the only reason he wanted that, because he wanted female love. That was his entire motivating thing. If we become rich and famous, Tom Dong, we'll get all the women we want. They can't stay away from us. He's in the porn industry. He's actively having sex 
But for an incel, a lot of times you go, well, just get late. For someone who's an incel, it's the lack of emotional connection to another person, specifically of the opposite sex or who of what sex they're attracted to. That's what drives them. You can pay money and have sex with a prostitute. Any incel could have sex. That's not really the complaint about incels. It's not just about them not having sex. It's about them not being able to forge a connection with another human being. It's someone they find attractive. And that's what drives that fire. Having sex, you can have sex. Either in a criminal way, which is awful, or by paying for it, which is technically still criminal, but whatever. And Or, you know, by meeting someone, like dating someone. The sex is, is the easy part. It's that human connection. And that's what Steve Driver wants. Now, he's finding that in Tom Dong. He's finding that connection in Tom. He has a friend. But Steve Driver and Tom Dong, they're in an industry where they're basically broken down into, oh, you're the Asian guy, so we're going to have you be the Japanese tourist who's like, you're getting cucked as this black gangbanger like grabs this woman in front of you. Because they were a package deal. They walked around calling themselves the Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan of porn. And it's a really exciting name. You're imagining they're going to be able to at least do stunts, right? The other problem is, is despite the going uphill and the racism and pornography, Steve Driver is, is not a gangbanger. He looks the part, but he is a total nerd. He is a, a, obsessed with ninja movies, with samurai movies. He is all about nerd culture. And he keeps getting called out for being a nerd and not being a real black person. And it's cutting him to the core. Because this is he. People who are telling him this are people. He he wants to be in this industry, and they're saying you're a dork. And the other big problem Steve Driver had was personal hygiene issues. But women hated working with him because he smelled like poop. He smelled like body odor. This one actress said, "I didn't have a car, and Steve Driver drove to pick me up to take me to the shoot." She goes, I got I never driven in his car before. She goes, I got, I got in the car and the smell of body odor was so overpowering. He drove a block and I got out, I got out of the car and I just walked to the set. I, never, I cannot even imagine being in this car any longer with this dude. Now, we've all had coworkers. I can't say we all have, but a lot of us have had coworkers who have hygiene issues, body odor issues. I'm not banging them. Right? I'm not banging them at the call center. So this was all the clothes are taken off and the smell is even more pungent. And these women, they're getting paid $500 to bang the dude the director tells them to bang. But they would go up afterwards and be like, "I please don't make me do any more shoots with Steve. He's super disgusting. He's so gross. He creeped people out. He was too smelly to have sex with. And he would come up with these bizarre plans. One of them was keeping Tom Dong next to him. Him and Tom Dong had formed this friendship. And he keeps telling Tom, we're going to make it. We're going to make it together. We're going to be doing all these big movies. We're going to be on the box coverage. I got a four-phase plan. We're going to do this. And Tom, listen, Tom wasn't built for this industry either. Tom was not built for this industry either. He wasn't the most well-endowed man. He's also facing this issue with the racism. And he has a second job. He's like a very quiet guy. He's like an IT guy. He was better prepared for what the world had to offer. He found Steve's zest for life and zest for porn refreshing. This was kind of seemed to be like a secret he was hiding. That he loved this so much and Steve Driver just relished in it. So it was just like this magnetic combination. 
So he kept coming up with these plans and things like that. So that's good. It's good to be motivated. But then one of the most bizarre things in this story is his gimmick. So Steve Driver said, okay, I'm not a mope, but I am an extra on a porn set that also happens to clean up the splooge on the ground and do all these menial tasks in between shoots. But I'm not a mope. And I'm going to have my signature move. I'm going to have a signature mope. I'm not mope. I'm going to have a signature move for a sex performer. And what he would do was he would be having sex with women. Oh, yeah. Take it. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Monster hands! And he would all of a sudden be wearing, be wearing giant Frankenstein hands. Like, you know those Hulk gloves? He would do that. And people are like, what are you, cut, cut, what are you doing? Why are you showing up with monster hands all of a sudden? This became his gimmick. He would show up on the shoots of porn. I don't know how this guy had any work at this point. He would show up on porn sets, and he'd be banging chicks, and then as he was ejaculating, as he was coming, he would have on monster hands and scream out, Monster hands! And then there's a quote from one of the actresses. She goes, it was absolutely bizarre. She, I mean, obviously, you don't need a quote for that, right? But she was like, he would sit there and... Like, want to finger bang us with these, with these rubber gloves he got at the dollar store that has like these, like, werewolf hands with fur and everything. And the director would be like, right, maybe someone's into it. So apparently, I look, I looked for this footage. There's footage of him finger banging random porn stars with these gloves and him screaming out monster hands as he's ejaculating into these women. Let me read you this quote, too, from a actress to, again, sum up his story. This is from Alana Evans. She was the co-star. She was Palin in Palin. Erection 2007 was the name of that movie. Quote, he was one of the new type of guys. He wasn't strong or dominant. He was scared. He struggled in his scenes. I knew he'd never be the next Lexington Steel. He'd rarely talk to the women. He was... A total nerd. Unquote. Porn industry, any sort of industry like this is hard enough. You always feel like an outsider when you're coming in, but he got no respect from the actors. He got no respect from the producers or the directors or anyone involved in the industry. The only person who was ever really nice to him for any long period of time was Tom Dong. At a certain point, they get a pretty sweet deal as far as being a mope goes. They sign up with a company called Ultima DVD. And Ultima DVD, I guess this might be standard in the porn industry for mopes, but they'll see. Tell you what, you can work for our company. We'll pay you $50 a scene. And this is this is a sweet deal. Don't get me wrong. And room and board. So we'll give you a place. To, it's expensive to live in Los Angeles. We got some rooms in the back. You guys can stay in during the day. You do menial work. You mop up the floor. You clean off sex toys, stuff like that. And then when we need you, you bang these chicks or or other things, and you'll get paid. So this was awesome. Actually, Tom Dong found out about this first and then introduced Steve Driver to it. And so let's do this. Free room and board. We're just going to sit in the back. We're going to be banging chicks. But Ultimate DVD was a fetish DVD studio. So there wasn't a lot of having sex with women. There was a lot of them getting kicked in the nuts. There was a lot of them sucking on toes, smelling armpits, all the stuff that is general mope stuff. 
But Steve Driver still sees this as a ticket to the big time. At this point, Tom is getting a little suspicious. And he seems to be like, this is the lane I'm in. There's a great quote from the movie, Mope, where Steve Driver is trying to encourage Tom to keep going along with the dreams. And he goes, we can do what we love to do. And Tom Dong says, I suck at what I love to do most in the world. I'm like, that's a really powerful line. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Something you really, 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 really love, but you're just no good at it. And Tom realizes that. Tom realizes he doesn't have the constitution, doesn't have the physicality to be a porn star, but maybe he can eke out a existence in the porn industry. Again, he has another job. This is like fun for him. But this is Steve Driver's main thing. But this whole thing with Ultima DVD starts to go sideways because the problem is they're living in the studio and the producers and the directors are now seeing close up what a lunatic Steve Driver is. I mean, monster hands aside, he he's just a force of chaos in the studio. And he's not worth it. He's not worth it. He's not a name brand. His stupid monster hands, his stupid body odor. They just go, you know what, we're just going to have to cut him loose. Tom, you can stay with us. Tom, you're actually really helpful around here. Apparently, he did some IT work for him. Steve Driver tried doing some IT work, and they had to scrap the whole page and start over. He just was he couldn't do anything. So they go, we're just going to have to evict Steve. And you can start to see the friendship fray here as well. Does he stay the Jackie Chan to Chris's Steve Driver? Does he try to make his way in the industry alone? Does he just give up on all of it? And he's able to kind of rationalize this out. Steve, though, knows that the House of Cards is about to fall. And really, he never saw it as a House of Cards, right? He saw it as brick by brick building his legacy. But something in his brain is starting to click in. The walls are closing around him. The owner of Ultimate DVD says, we got to get rid of him. Let's get rid of Steve. We're just going to evict him. Christopher Raquel, he was the studio manager. He was the guy who managed the studio for the owner. He gets Christopher to go, you got to go fire Steve. He's like, oh man, that guy super thinks I don't want to go anywhere near him. Well, we got to get him out of here. He's just too much of a mess. So on June 1st, 2011, Christopher walks into this room where Steve is sitting there on the couch. And he's watching a scene from Kingdom of Heaven, that Ridley Scott Crusader movie. And Christopher is walking in and he's like, hey, Steve, we need to talk. And he's watching Steve just watch this scene from Kingdom of Heaven. And he keeps rewinding it and starting the scene over again. It's a battle scene. This guy is running around with his sword. He's cleaving other people. And he's just watching this over and over again. And Christopher's like, dude, I know that movie's good. At least the director's cut is supposed to be good. But you need to shut it off. You need to get out of here. It's time. We've given you tons of warnings. It's time to go. And Steve's just sitting there, and he goes, why don't you come over and sit on this couch with me, man? Come over, let's watch this movie. This movie's really good. And Christopher's like, no, I'm over here because you're so smelly. You need to leave. Pack up your stuff and get out of here. You're done. Come over here, Chris. Come over here. Just take a seat. And Christopher eventually gets annoyed that this guy isn't doing what he's saying. That's kind of what he expected. He's such trouble, Steve Driver, to begin with. So Christopher begins walking over to the couch, and he kind of walks a bit near him to get in front of him. And as Christopher is walking past Steve, Steve reaches into the couch and between the couch cushions pulls out one of Ultima DVD's props. 
Now, remember, they do uh, ball-busting videos. They do armpit-sniffing videos and things like that. One of the videos that they were known for was fake castration videos. And for that, you'd have a sexy woman with this very dull samurai sword, and she would pretend to chop your nuts off. I who Who gets off to this? I don't know, right? But on set, there was a samurai sword. It was part of the props. And Steven Driver is always picking it up and playing with it. People are like, dude, put it away. But he loved everything martial arts. So when he pulls this samurai sword out from between the cushions, Christopher thinks, what in the world? <laughs> Steve Driver's totally lost it. He's going to swing this prop. And sure enough, Steve Driver, this huge, muscular dude, swings this prop and hits Christopher so hard in his left shoulder Christopher's arm almost falls off. He had sharpened the blade. He had turned this prop sword into a deadly weapon. Christopher's totally in shock about what's going on. Just the shock of someone hitting you with something you thought was a toy, and it cutting so deep, his arm's just hanging on there, that when Steve swings again, Christopher goes to grab the sword. And that's when it hits him. Not literally, not when the sword hits him, because it does. But when the so- he grabs the blade of the sword and he blocks the blow, but then he looks at his hand and he can see the tendons. The shock of being chopped up while he's still alive is wearing off. He's no longer in shock. He knows he's about to die. He's starting to feel all of this energy, all this panic, all this rage. He's screaming out loud. Next door, there was a business, because this was like an industrial business, and Yuri Drell was a business owner who lived next door. He hears the screaming. A bunch of people in the studio hear the screaming, because this is a porn studio, and it seemed to be running almost 24 hours a day. So a bunch of people are there. And one of those people is Tom Dong. And they hear the screaming coming from the room that Steve Driver was staying in, and Tom Dong was staying in. And Tom most likely knew he was getting evicted that day. They go running down the hallway, and they enter this room, and they see Chris bleeding out. And Steve over him with this sword, getting ready to make another swing. And they begin pleading with Steve, don't do it. Don't, please, please. And they're getting through to Steve. He's thinking about it, and he starts to lower the blade. And there's a moment where everything seems to be going okay. And in this moment, someone in the group of rescuers, you had the owner of the studio, Eric Jover, you had Yuri Drell, who was the businessman from next door, and then you had Tom Dong. In the moment when tempers are starting to fade, one of them pulls out their cell phone and dials 9-1. And when Steve Driver realizes that he's been betrayed yet again, that they're calling the police... He raises that sword high above his head and begins charging the three rescuers. They begin taking off down this tiny hallway, and there is one single door leading to outside. Pornography studios are not known for keeping up to fire code. There's a single door, and they're running down this hallway, and Steve Driver's right behind him with this samurai sword. And when they get to the door, there's a pileup. They can only go through it one at a time. Eric Jover jumps out the door first. Yuri Drell. Jumps out the door second. And Yuri said, I was three feet out that door when I heard Tom get butchered behind me. 
He said, I just heard a high-pitched squeal. And I turned around. Here's a quote from Yuri Drell. Quote, Tom was bleeding everywhere. He was cut at the waist, and his elbow was cut to the bone. He was turning purple. Unquote. Yuri, in a rage, jumps towards Steve. And actually, it makes Steve push back and hit a wall. Throws him off his footing for a second. But then Steve, who actually did train as a martial artist as a child, regains his footing, takes that sword, and slashes Yuri's shoulder open. Yuri then runs out of the building. Steve Driver hops in his RAV4, sees the owner of the studio, Eric, in an alleyway, tries to run him over, but after missing him, just takes off into the L.A. night. Christopher was taken to the hospital. He was totally fine, but had some gnarly injuries. Tom died. Tom did not make it. Tom Dong, the only man who ever showed Steve any respect, any love, any compassion, was murdered by him. Was slaughtered in a hallway of a porn studio. The man who stood by him this entire time was now lying dead. And Stephen Samurai Sword was stained with his best friend's blood. Three days later, this is a big manhunt, right? Because obviously it's a shocking story. This was all over the media back in 2011. You had the salaciousness of porn stars, and then you had just a murder. It's a bizarre weapon. Everything was everything was so Hollywood about it. So the police are looking for this guy. Who knows what he's going to do next? And someone spots his RAV4 out at the Chatsworth Nature Preserve. So the police show up. They encircle the area. They send in SWAT. So there is Steve Driver, a hot L.A. afternoon. Standing on a cliff overlooking the city of Los Angeles, holding a samurai sword as SWAT officers approach him. This is the way Steven Driver wanted to end his life. One man, one blade against a horde of faceless enemies. And he holds him at bay. They don't want to kill him. This man's obviously insane. He's holding that blade. And he'd alternate between making threats to making threats to kill himself. I will fall on my blade. I'll do it. Stand back. This goes on for eight hours. And it's at a certain point where the SWAT officers are throwing water bottles to Steve. They're rolling him. They're not throwing at him to hit him. They're rolling him on the dirt. They're like, you need a drink. You need to take a drink. It's super hot out here. It's June. It's Los Angeles. He's just standing there with this samurai sword. This goes on for eight hours. And eventually the SWAT team goes, we got to end this. Let's get our less than lethal munitions. Maybe we'll hit him with a beanbag, taser, whatever. We got to get that sword out of his hands because that will kill at least one of us. It's very, very hard to take on a bladed opponent, even with a, a gun. And he's at the edge of the cliff and he's watching them. And then he knows this is the end. So he turns and he looks out at the city. His back is now to the SWAT officers. 
And with that sword in his hand, he sits down on the edge of the cliff. And then he pushes himself off. He falls 30 feet until he hits a rocky outcropping. He hits it with such force that the sword goes flying out of his hand and he cartwheels another 20 feet, kicking up dust and debris. He lays there at the bottom of the cliff, slowly dying. By the time the ambulance loads him up, he's already dead. Later, this case was so notorious that a porn studio bought a bunch of their clips of Tom Dong and Steve Driver, and they created the movie Porno Samurai Killer. They're both on the cover. Both standing there, banging chicks. In a Twilight Zone-esque way, they finally got the recognition they wanted. But I think Tom Dong would have been okay with just being a back, just being a mope. Or even just working IT for these porn companies. I think that was enough for him. Steve Driver needed to be famous. He needed to be remembered. He needed to be loved. And even in the end, people forgot about this story. It's just become a curiosity of Hollywood. Look at the bizarre underbelly of the porn industry. Even after taking the life of his best friend and co-worker. And then killing himself. Live on camera, by the way. The way I found out about this story was I was looking at a Wikipedia list of people who were killed on camera. And one of them was Stephen Clancy Hill. I was reading all of them. This was the only one that seemed to be notable or that I hadn't heard of. Stephen Clancy Hill. There was a news crew at the bottom of the cliff. The standoff was going on for eight hours. And so you see it, and they show it in the movie. The movie ends with the actual footage of him dying. Bizarre choice for the director. I mean, I think that may turn off some viewers. The movie is really... The movie's a comedy. Actually, the movie's a very, very funny comedy. And it is true. They take some details, and they kind of create an amalgamation of all of his attempted girlfriends and turned it into a homeless girl named Tampa. So they make some choices like that. I really recommend watching Mope. Just to see, I don't think I can convey the true brotherly love of Steve Driver and Tom Dong as well as those two actors could. I think I've kind of done a disservice to their friendship. I think I've kind of glossed over it. These They were best buddies. This was Huck Sawyer and Tom Finn. Wait, this was Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. These were best buddies, Han Solo and Luke. I should have included all that before the revelation that he murdered Tom Dong. I still recommend watching the movie. It's a brilliant piece of work. And it's just, it's such an amazing, the movie's so good and the story is so tragic. It's a fascinating story. It really is a fascinating true crime story. The movie, I personally think, ranks up there with Joker as far as a look into this type of personality. And this is real. This is an absolutely real story. Fascinating, fascinating look at a subculture and a fascinating look at a man who really, in the end, all he wanted was he wanted to do something he loved, which everyone does. Everyone wants to have a job that they enjoy. He wanted to be loved himself. He was lacking that. He was lacking that warm, affectionate hug. From a woman. Now, he wasn't owed that. Society didn't owe him that. And he didn't know how to get that. He just saw images of this. Distorted images through the world of pornography. And even though he was actively having sex, he was an incel. 
he couldn't forge a, a romantic relationship with someone who was a woman. He just couldn't do it. He couldn't see that it was him. It was own, his own failings. Things he could fix. Instead, he just kept doubling down on this dream of being famous. So it wouldn't matter how bad his personality was. It wouldn't matter how bad he smells. If he was rich and famous, if he was the number one porn star, women would want him, despite him not having to work on himself. Fascinating story. Just a narcissistic personality with a samurai sword on the day he's about to be evicted and fired. What do you think is going to happen? He's a real-life supervillain. This is this is the movie Joker. Except he doesn't get away and start a cult at the ending of it. He has a showdown with armed SWAT officers and then kills himself by jumping off of a cliff while holding a samurai sword. That's nuts. That's absolutely insane. There's no continuity to it. There's no world-building or the Steve Driver cinematic universe where they have to do multiple sequels. That's the end of the story. And to me, that's just more intriguing than anything that Hollywood could pump out fascinating fascinating story we've run out of time we're going to save the alternate universe story for tomorrow idea guy i'm going to have you back so we can make sure you fly that carpenter copter we'll have you back tomorrow dead rabbit radio at gmail.com is going to be your email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash dead rabbit radio tiktok is at dead rabbit radio dead rabbit radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day but i'm glad you listened to it today have a great one guys Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.